The book is Indian Ghost Stories by S. Mukherjee. 1917. What my uncle saw. This story need not have been written. It is too sad and too mysterious, but since reference has been made to it in this book, it is only right that readers should know this sad account. Uncle was a very strong and powerful man and used to boast a good deal of his strength. He was employed in a government office in Calcutta and he used to come to his village home during the holidays. He was a widower with one or two children who stayed with his brother's family in the village. Uncle has had no bedroom of his own since his wife's death. Whenever he paid us a visit, one of us used to place his bedroom at Uncle's disposal. It is a custom in Bengal to sleep with one's wife and children in the same bedroom. So whenever Uncle turned up, I used to give my bedroom to him as I was the only one without children. On such occasions, I slept in one of the Bayitaks. A Bayitak is a drawing room and guest room combined. In rich Bengal families of the orthodox style, the Bayitak or Bayitakana is a very large room, generally devoid of all furniture, having a thick rich carpet on the floor with a clean sheet upon it and big takyas pillows all around the wall. The elderly people would sit on the ground and lead against the takias, while we, the younger lot, sat upon the takias and leaned against the wall, which in the case of this particular room in our house was covered with some kind of yellow paint which did not come off on the clothes. Sometimes a takia would burst and the cotton stuffing inside would come out, and then the old servant, his status is that of an English butler, his duty to prepare the hookah for the master, would give us a chase with a lafi, a stick, and the offender would run away and not return until all incriminating evidence had been removed and the old servant's wrath had subsided. Well, when uncle used to come, I slept in the Bayitak and my wife slept somewhere in the Zinana. I never inquired where. On this particular occasion, uncle missed the train by which he usually came. It was the month of October and he should have arrived at 8 p.m. My bed had been made in the Baitak, but the 8 p.m. train came and stopped and passed on and uncle did not turn up. So we thought he had been detained for the night. It was the Durga Puja season and some presents for the children at home had to be purchased and we thought that was what was detaining him. And so at about 10 p.m. we all retired to bed. The bed that had been made for me in the Baitak remained there for uncle in case he turned up by the 11 p.m. train. As a matter of fact, we did not expect him till the next morning. But as misfortune would have it, uncle did arrive by the 11 o'clock train. All the household had retired, and though the old servant suggested that I should be waked up, uncle would not hear of it. He would sleep in the bed originally made for me, he said. The bed was in the central Baitak or hall. My uncle was very fond of sleeping in side rooms. I do not know why. Anyhow, he ordered the servant to remove his bed to one of the side rooms. Accordingly, the bed was taken to one of them. One side of that room had two windows opening onto the garden. The garden was more a park-like place, rather neglected, but still well wooded, abounding in jackfruit trees. It used to be quite shady and dark under the day there. On this particular night, it must have been very dark. I do not remember whether there was a moon or not. Well, uncle went to sleep and so did the servants. It was about eight o'clock the next morning when we thought that uncle had slept long enough that we went to wake him up. 
The door connecting the side room with the main baitak was closed, but not bolted from the inside. So we pushed the door open and went in. Uncle lay in bed panting. He stared at us with eyes that saw but did not perceive. We at once knew that something was wrong. On touching his body, we found that he had high fever. We opened the windows and it was then that Uncle spoke. Don't open it or it will come in. What would come in, Uncle? What? We asked. But Uncle had fainted. The doctor was called in. He arrived at about 10 in the morning. He said it was high fever due to what he could not say. All the same, he prescribed the medicine. The medicine had the effect of reducing the temperature and at about six in the evening, consciousness returned. Still, he was in a very weak condition. Some medicine was given to induce sleep and he passed the night well. We nursed him by turns at night. The next morning, we had all the satisfaction of seeing him all right. He walked from the bedroom, though still very weak, and came to the central Bayitak where he had tea with us. It was then that we asked what he had seen and what he had meant by it would come in. Oh, how we wish we'd never asked that question, at least then. This is what he said. After I had gone to bed, I found that there were a few mosquitoes and so I could not sleep well. It was about midnight when they gradually disappeared and then I began to fall asleep. But just as I was dozing off, I heard somebody strike the bars of the windows thrice. It was like three distinct strokes with a cane on the gratings outside. Who is there? I asked, but no reply. The striking stopped. Again, I closed my eyes and again the same strokes were repeated. This time, I nearly lost my temper. I thought I was some urchin of the neighborhood in a mischievous mood. Who is there? I again shouted. Again, no reply. The striking, however, stopped. But after a time, it commenced afresh. This time I lost my temper completely and opened the window determined to thrash anybody whom I found there. Forgetting that the windows were barred and fully six feet above the ground, well, in the darkness I saw... Here Uncle had a fit of shivering and panting and within a minute he lost all consciousness. The fever was again high. The doctor was summoned but this time his medicines did no good. Uncle never regained consciousness. In fact, after 24 hours, he died of heart failure the next morning, leaving his story unfinished and without any way giving us an idea of what that terrible thing was which he had seen beyond the window. The whole thing remains a deep mystery, and unfortunately the mystery will never be solved. Nobody has ventured to pass a night in the side room since then. If I had not been a married man with a very young wife, I might have tried. One thing, however, remains, and it is that though Uncle got all the fright in the world in that room, he neither came out of that room nor called for help. One cry for help and the whole household would have been awake. In fact, there was a servant within 30 yards of that window which Uncle had opened. And this man says he heard Uncle open the window and close and bolt it again, though he had not heard Uncle's shouts of, who is there? Only this morning, I read this funny advertisement in the Morning Post. Haunted houses, man and wife, cultured and traveled, gentle people. Having lost fortune, ready to act as caretakers and to investigate in view of removing trouble. Well, in a haunted house, these gentle people expect to see something. Let us hope they will not see what our uncle saw or what the major saw. The advertisement clearly shows that even in countries like England, haunted houses do exist, or at least houses exist which are believed to be haunted. 
If what we see really depends on what we think or what we believe, no wonder there are so many more haunted houses in India than in England. This reminds me of a very old incident of my early school days. A boy was really caught by a ghost and then there was trouble. We shall not forget the thrashing we received from our teacher in the school. And the fellow who was actually caught by the ghost, if ghost it was, will never say in future that ghosts don't exist. This connection, it may not be out of place to narrate another incident, though it does not fall within the same category with the main story that heads this chapter. The only reason why I do so is the facts tally in one respect, though in one respect only, and that is the person who knew would tell nothing. This was a friend of mine who was a widower. We were in the same office together and he occupied a chair and table next but one to mine. This gentleman was in our office for only six months after narrating this story. If he had stayed longer, we might have got out his secret, but unfortunately he went away. He had gone so far from us that probably we shall not meet again for the next 10 years. It was in connection with the Smith's dead wife's photograph controversy that on day one of my fellow, clerks told me that a visit from a dead wife was nothing very wonderful, as our friend Harala could testify. I always took a lot of interest in ghosts and their stories, so I was generally at Harala's desk cross-examining him about this affair. At first the gentleman was very uncommunicative, but when he saw I would give him no rest, he made a statement which I have every reason to believe is true. This is more or less what he said. It was about 10 years ago that I joined this office. I've been a widower ever since I left college. In fact, I married the daughter of a neighbor when I was at college and she died about three years afterwards, as I was just thinking of beginning life in right earnest. She has been dead these 10 years, and I shall never marry again. A young widower in good circumstances in Bengal is as rare as a blue rose. I have a suite of bachelor rooms in Calcutta, but I go to my suburban home on every Saturday afternoon and stay there till Monday morning. That is, I pass my Saturday night and the whole of Sunday in my village home every week. On this particular occasion nearly eight years ago, that is, about a year and a half after the death of my young wife, I went home by an evening train. There is any number of trains in the evening, and there is no certainty by which train I go. So if I'm late, generally everybody goes to bed with the exception of my mother. On this particular night, I reached home rather late. It was the month of September, and there had been a heavy shower in the town, and all tram car services had been suspended. When I reached the railway station, I found that the trains were not running to time either. I was given to understand that a tree had been blown down against the telegraph wire and so the signals were not going through. And as it was rather dark, the trains were only running on the report of a motor trolley that the line was clear. Thus I reached home at about 11 instead of 8 in the evening. I found my father also sitting up for me, though he had had his dinner. He wanted to learn the particulars of the storm at Calcutta. Within 10 minutes of my arrival, he went to bed, and within an hour, I finished my dinner and retired for the night. It was rather stuffy and the bed was damp, as I was perspiring freely, and consequently, I was not feeling inclined to sleep. A little after midnight, I felt there was somebody else in the room. I looked at the closed door. Yes, I looked at the closed door. Yes, there was no mistake about it. It was my wife. My wife who had been dead these 18 months. At first I was, well, you can guess my feeling. Then she spoke. There's a cool bed mat under the bedstead. It's rather dusty, but it will make you comfortable. I got up and looked under the bedstead. Yes, 
The cold bed mat was there right enough and it was dusty too. I took it outside and I cleaned it by giving it a few jerks. Yes, I had to pass through the door at which she was standing within six inches of her. Don't put any questions. Let me tell you as much as I like. You will get nothing out of me if you interrupt. Yes, I passed a comfortable night. She was in that room for a long time, telling me lots of things. The next morning, my mother inquired with whom I was talking, and I told her a lie. I said I was reading my novel aloud. They all know it at home now. She comes and passes two nights with me in the week when I am at home. She does not come to Calcutta. She talks about various matters, and she's happy. Don't ask me how I know that. I shall not tell you whether I have touched her body, because that will give rise to further questions. Everybody at home has seen her, and they all know what I have told you, but nobody has spoken to her. They all respect and love her. Nobody is afraid. In fact, she never comes except on Saturday and Sunday evenings, and that when I am at home. No amount of cross-examination, coaxing, or inducement made my friend Harala say anything further. This story in itself would not probably have been believed, but after the incident of his dead wife's picture, nobody disbelieved it, and there is no reason why anybody should. Harala is not a man who would tell yarns, and then I have made inquiries at Harala's village where several persons know this much, that his dead wife pays him a visit twice every week. Now that Haralal is 500 miles from his village home, I do not know how things stand. But I am told that this story reached the ears of the Bara Saheb, and he asked Haralal if he would object to a transfer, and Haralal told him he would not. I shall leave the reader to draw his own conclusions. to another episode of Nightmare on Fist Street, a horror movie podcast. If you're enjoying our podcast, we'd love if you could follow, subscribe, and leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share us with your friends. Don't forget to head over to our website, nightmaremoviepodcast.com, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to let us know what movie you would like us to discuss next time. Thank you for listening.